Radio Show. 880-KRVN, 106.9 Kearney, and 98.5 Grand Island. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Lots of interesting things happening in the market trade. If you kind of took a glance at all during the day and seeing the uptick that happened in this wheat market, it seemed like the wheat was definitely the one that was pulling everybody along today. A lot of factors that were being kind of logged into that, add to it the soybeans and the and the beans. Were they kind of following what happened, even though the fact that corn saw a little bit of negativity on the day? On the flip side, as we take a look at the livestock, definite negativity in the cattle market. Hogs, again, continue to push to the uptrend. We're going to get all the details of what happened today with P.J. Conrad. P.J. is with Tradeoff. So let's start out talking about this wheat complex. Obviously, it just continues to push forward. It's been uh, been relentless, you know. Really, look back, Susan. Obviously, the Russia-Ukraine stuff kind of set the powder keg off to start with, um, and then since then, things have just obviously progressed more and more. And really, it came, you know, was it last Saturday um, with the whole uh, India is not going to export wheat uh, or minimal amounts of it, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they're not huge exporters anyway. I believe four percent of the world exports come from them. But it just puts everything else on notice. I think um, broadly with a paintbrush, talk about any of these markets in the grain side, soybeans, corn, wheat, our stocks are tight enough that the littlest things are going to set off big big reactions. Um, And that's what you're seeing really in the wheat market here. We got not a great wheat crop in the Kansas areas with the dryness, and then you go up to North Dakota, and the, the degree of trying to plant any spring wheat is almost impossible. So you're fighting a lot of different major factors here in the U.S., and then you factor in what's happening globally. It's been a wild ride. You know, the question is, where do you catch this thing or where do you sell this thing? Um, there's probably no bad decision to make right now, you know, whether it be 1370 where we close that, uh, or if it was 70 cents lower here, still great. Great numbers. I think <clears throat> you start looking out over the course of the next two, three years, and I, you don't want to go whole hog on it, but um, doing something for the 23 crop, although it could go higher, it just, just sure makes sense to me because eventually this uh, price is going to roll itself back to a non-profitable type level. It's a matter of if or when, not if. And again, yes. So, you know, as you look at the market, obviously we saw beans to the upside. Wheat saw some positive numbers as well. But then you look at this corn, and it has struggled throughout the trade today. What's going on to have pulled them lower? You look at corn, and you see how much corn we planted uh, last week with the 28%, 29% type number. Um, it gives trade a lot of confidence that we can get the remainder of this crop planted maybe this week or pretty timely here for the middle of May. Uh, still, North Dakota, you know, two-thirds of Minnesota are really the question spots that need to dry out. I guess my general thinking or thought on this market and, and just looking at market strength, uh, some different technical factors, there's probably some upside to be had here. Uh, how much? You know, 777 is resistance. When you get above that, there's some trend line, kind of 810 uh, type values. And eight's always a big psychological number. I don't know if they we're going there or not, but what I do know is I feel like we need to, if, if we didn't entice people at 760 to plant that corn up there, if they can, 
Um, I don't think there's a price that's going to necessarily change that. So we'll still add some risk, but overall, I think as a producer, even if you think $9 corns in the cards, uh, you got to be realistic and say $6 corns in the cards, if there is a 15% or 15 type pullback from, say, the seasonal high type value back to um, harvest time frame. And to me, there's a lot of a lot of people out there maybe trying to predict where this thing is going and, and carry out tight and this, that, and the other. So do you think there's any any pressure that's coming from the ethanol side of it as we continue to see gas prices go up, um, E15 trying to compete and hopefully pull some of those prices down for us? You know, I do. I think interesting looking forward, the words, you know, global food crisis, it seems like keep popping across the screen somewhere on any given day. Um, is that something that's going to happen? Could something happen in the ethanol side of things? At the end of the day, the general consumer probably uh, can find cheaper foods to eat, no different than me buying pork instead of steak. That's uh, still generally good for uh, the, the producer in that circumstance. The gas is a zero-sum game, essentially, where we have to use it. And uh, E15, yes, that will help. And God knows we need it, uh, $5 gas, 450 gas, and higher diesel fuel. It's really hurting the American consumer and everybody in their pocketbooks. Um, I, I feel like now the, the effects of inflation are starting to hit more and more real, and so anything we can do to ease those prices. And we're going to find out how much is left on the farmer's hands here as we roll into the later months of summer because it feels pretty light at this point. So then that's also make the decision, uh, do we keep grinding uh, high, higher expensive price corn? Or do we shuttle the plants for a while? Well, considering where we're sitting right now in planning progress, what are your thoughts? I mean, are we doing okay? Because, I mean, we can get a crop in the ground pretty fast, but is there any pressure out there? I Yeah, like I said, I think the South Dakota, or North Dakota, Northern South Dakota, Minnesota, that's definitely a concern. And, you know, back east, there, there's always some problem areas. Um, as much as we put it in one week, yeah, there's the excitement around that. Maybe we get more planted this week. It, it almost looks like, uh, it seems like every year, it just depends how bad it is, you kind of have the haves and have-nots. And this year, it seems like the haves are getting way more rain and not what they need at all. And so you look at that and you think, well, it's already March or May 17th, excuse me. Um, it's May 17th. What, you know, what's that going to happen? Well, in 2019, we planted corn in June. And I'm not saying that was great corn, but it does work for feed. It does work for other things. And so it, it's still something that can be harvested and be used out there. And I think ultimately that's what you're going to see again is people plant late and hard and, hard and furious. And, and corn and beans, both pencil great. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, people and products make the difference. Here's Fontenelle dealer Brandon Novak from St. Paul, Nebraska. Fontenelle offers a strong product lineup through their soybeans and through their corn. Working with the people of Fontenelle have made things a lot easier just because I have a sense of security and knowing that the products that I choose will be the right products for my farm with the help of our knowledgeable agronomists and FSRs. For more, contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labeled one. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with PJ Conrad with Trade Off. So kind of look at the export sales. China has come off of holiday. We know they're still in a COVID lockdown. 
but export sales just really seem kind of quiet for May. They do. <clears throat> They're really off, too. Uh, I mean, we've had some decent numbers, but nothing new today. And it, it does make you wonder, you know, USDA trimmed some of their demand numbers back here in that last report. Um, it does sound like maybe China's in a little bit of a drought, but how much how much green have they bought to protect themselves, and are they in a holding period, A, to, to see what comes off in South America? And I think the wild card, and I know it's a big wild card, is what comes out of Ukraine. Um it's a longer haul to get where they're going, and there's more obstacles to get that crop moved, especially the stuff that's in the bins. You know, they're planting this year. It's going to be what it's going to be. It's going to be less. But they are sitting on quite a bit of uh, stocks right now in the bins. So if that could hit the world market, that probably shocks the corn market enough and gives China, you know, it's all replacement of where that can go. So somehow it's going to cheapen up the, the feed for China. And like I said, South America coming online. Is it concerning right now? Uh, maybe not massively. They were have been big buyers. Uh, maybe those averages come back about. But I, I give it a couple more weeks. It would be nice to see that demand continue and even at higher prices continue buying. So what type of pressure do we see this putting on our prices? I mean, we're trying to get a good crop. We're trying to get this crop in the ground still in many areas knowing that the global is looking, and you, we talked a little bit about this on the front half with, with food insecurities, but overall, we've got the Ag Secretary saying, hey, don't worry, you know, American farmers can pick up the slack and take care of it. That just adds a whole yeah, new pressure to this market. It definitely does. And, you know, it's kind of a catch-22, you know, really, and um, it's nothing to do with politics, but you go back to uh, President Trump and everything that went on with China, um, the fear then was, you know, is China going to go to South America and buy everything? Okay, well, now let's fast forward. South America's having a lot of crop issues. Um, we're the main player in the game, and it seems like when one one player gets injured, you know, South America having issues, the drought here in another country, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it seems like the whole team tries to go down. Now, we can't, we can, but we also won't run ourselves out of food either. But what it can do and I think obviously encouraging for American agriculture, not that we always haven't been the highest quality and um, the easiest to uh, provide our product, but more people are creatures of habit, and so if they get used to buying from us again, or we can consistently approach or uh, you know get product out this year, it, it become a, a mainstay, not that we aren't, but, you know, Keeping South America out of this, because at the end of the day, South America is competing against us for export demand. It will be more and more. Now, what that means in 2022, everything's on notice. Like I said, it starts to show it doesn't matter what commodity it is. We need good growing conditions. Um, you can't rule any price out, but you got to keep a level head. And I think that's one thing on our end. You know, it's easy, even at 650 corn back in February, it might have been easy to think I can lock in a lot of profit here. Uh, now you're a whole dollar higher. Yes, you can lock in more profit. Great situation. We're going to have ebbs and flows uh, from now until you know July 4th for sure. Post that, you know, maybe if if we do get some good rains, typically you see a sell-off. Even if we're still, I mean, we'll still be tight stocks, but you're still going to see a sell-off just due to more confidence in the U.S. crop. But I think one thing I and everybody needs to re- remind themselves is. Um, we can hear, read all these things and have our opinions, and those are great, and that's what we need to have and, and keep your head screwed on straight there. But you got to remember, 
the futures market is a futures market for a reason, and it's trying to project out to the future what prices are going to be and what it needs to do to protect itself from running out of a uh, commodity. So in this environment, what that means is maybe we see a big run-up, but it might not be on back of news that you think is super important. And then with that, you know, it's kind of the buy the rumor, sell the fact. That's why that's a thing. All right, let's look at these cattle prices um, taking a big drop today. What are your thoughts? You know, there's obviously a cash disconnect there. We're running some high basis on the fat cattle. Man, the the cattle industry just kick you while you're down and, and buying expensive corn and also prices haven't really given you the big run that uh, the other commodities have. The one thing I can say, uh, market strength is not, I mean, it's not overly friendly, but it does look like maybe we're trying to roll back over and at least try to add some price to this market. Feeders, you know, longer term here in the next, uh, between now and August, I think are a great uh, proponent of going higher. I mean, Sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? You can uh, find us on any social media at TradeOS LLC or call us at 402-858-7529. All right, that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell is brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all of your local dealers. Just check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.